What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we've got to make it a classic for the debut album from Big L, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. And yeah, yeah. Um, I think that this came about because actually the 20-year anniversary for his second album, his posthumous LP, Correct. Uh, was at the big picture, right? Yep. That's uh, that's August 1st, 2000. And so we figured yeah. that, hey, you know, why don't we do a Make It A Classic for his first album, the one that he was alive and had full control over. Right. Um, so that's what we're going to bring to you today. And this should be a special episode for Yinka, I think, Facts. because this is your favorite MC ever. Facts. Right? Facts. This was my favorite MC growing up. So, okay. All right. Is he still your favorite MC? Um, I mean... I feel like I like compartmentalize shit now a little That's bit fair. more. So, That's you know, uh, Tupac is my favorite hip hop artist. Uh, Biggie's my favorite rapper. Uh, Big L's probably still my favorite MC. What's the, how are you distinguishing between rapper and MC? Um, I mean, rapper, I put, I put artistry in it. I put, you know, um, can you make great songs? I put, can you sell records? I put, I put things that are factors that don't have to do with just your bars. And MC is just bars? Yeah, like just like the elements of hip hop, like just interesting. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure if I would define it the same way, but mm -hmm. I I recognize that people do have different definitions for these terms, so yeah. it is important to get the context when someone's laying it out. So, Fair. but yeah, so this one's released March 28th, 1995. Um, it's recorded between 1993 and 1994, which I think is pretty important. At least Very. when we get to some of my breakdowns of the album, and yeah. um, we are doing a make it a classic for this, correct? Yep. Okay, all right. So and the reason why I want to emphasize that is because according to some of the critical reception, it is already considered a classic. Yeah, but I think they're wrong. Okay, okay, cool, because I think they're wrong as well. So yeah. let's just get into it. Um, where were you when... Well, we've already kind of discovered like where we were when this album came out. I'm assuming yeah. that neither one of us listened to this album when it came right, out. Right, right. Um, I'm assuming that he wasn't even on either one of our radars when this album came out. right. Okay, so where were you when you first heard this then? So my where were you, um, you know, probably actually not too far away from the time frame when I really got into Woo, but I really got into okay. hip hop um, just in general, like listening to everything, like sponging everything, probably like, you know, 97, 98. Um, and uh, and in, uh, probably around 98, I really, really got into Big L. Um, and okay. he just kind of became my favorite rapper. Um and, you know, so, you know, all the way leading into, you know, the singles that we got in 99 from him, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, his untimely passing, I became this this huge Big L fan. Um, and I think I heard Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous probably like 99, somewhere between 98 okay. and, and 99. I actually got my hands on the album. Um, and uh, yeah. That's where I was. Where were you? So where? Well, before we get into where where I was, mm -hmm. what was the freestyle that <laughs> made you pay attention to him? Which one was it? Because I know it wasn't Man. a song. It had to be a. It had to be yeah. a freestyle or a feature. Man, there were so many, and I think that's. I think that that's actually a good a good segue, right? Like I feel like what I really got into that got me into Big L was the Sway and Tech freestyles. And okay. so I became like a student of the Sway and Tech freestyles. And, you know, I, as you know, like my family is originally from Chicago. So even though I wasn't in Chicago, I would I would come home to Chicago for like summers and stuff like that to visit my family. 
and um, I would go to Hi-Fi Records, and at the time I would I would collect like that's when I started collecting vinyl, and and I would collect these like CDs that you couldn't get your hands on anywhere else. Okay. And they used to press up these swaying King Tech freestyles as volumes, you know, volume one, volume two, volume three. And I would save up my money, and then in the summer I would come to Hi-Fi Records and I would buy them. And so I think the way I really got into Big L, as you're saying, is I would listen to freestyles from everyone. And Big L's freestyles always stood out. To me, Cannabis and, and Big L were like the two guys that were just head and shoulders above everybody else. It was like I would it, agree. It was like watching KD or or you know LeBron play with, you know, everybody else that's in college or something. Like it's just it was a whole nother level. And so um I mean I like I'm I'm somebody who can sit here and quote like every big L freestyle off the top of his head. So I, I can't even tell you the first one that I engaged with, but I can tell you that he consistently, um, consistently like just blew my mind with his freestyles. And the 98 freestyle that they have on the big picture is definitely one of the ones that was a standout. Uh, the Tony Touch freestyle, which was over um, the 10 Crack Commandments beat was definitely a standout. And um, the 97 freestyle with uh, the seven minute freestyle with 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 Jay-Z on it. Is, that was in 97? Or 90, 95, I'm sorry, 95 freestyle. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. So so those are three that come to my mind as as the freestyles that, that uh, you know, open the door. But I agree with you. Like, that, the freestyles are definitely what made me a fan prior to ever hearing any songs he ever recorded. So for me, I think I first heard Big L's name when he had passed away. Uh-huh. And I think it was because Gangstar released, was it in 1999? Yeah. The full clip? Yep, full clip. And so their first track is um, Big L, Rest, rest in Peace. Rest in Peace. Right, right, right. Exactly. And so that's kind of when I first heard Big L's name. He was not someone that was on and popping in the DMV area at all. We had no reason to pay attention to Big L. Really? She just didn't. I feel well, like the other people we? who rap because I was I was also in the DMV, and I feel like the other people who rapped around me, like Big L, was a name that you heard from other like. That's rappers. fair, yeah. but I'm talking about like the radio. Oh, definitely. Like, he not. was not yeah. on the radio yeah. at all. Um, I, did he even have any music videos? He did, but not like nothing you would hear anywhere, but like maybe the basement or something like that. Right. So what I'm saying is, in order to get into Big L, you have to kind of be put on. Right, you have to go find him. It's not going to come to you, in my opinion. Yep. At least, at least where I was in the DMV, and so yeah, that's fair. I just, I never, no one that I was listening to music with knew about Big L, so okay. therefore I didn't know about Big L. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, so, so what, what actually brought? Oh, besides, so it was just you just heard his name on. on I heard the clip his name, and then, and then I get to college. Uh-huh. And so it's 2001 is my first year, and mm-hmm. you know Napster is big. What was it? Yeah. Um, Morpheus Kazaa, or whatever. Morpheus. Yeah. Like like audio files. Some, there was a bunch of different yeah. things that yeah. we used to download music. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm downloading a bunch of different music. I'm downloading a lot of old soul music, a lot of old jazz, Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. I really started doing that. But then also like every single Biggie verse freestyle I could get my hands <laughs> on. And I had started doing that in high school. Yeah. When Biggie became my favorite artist. That's when I started to do that with Big. So okay. like, there was a time when I probably knew like every single Big verse. Right. Um, but then of course, Big L. And I think the first freestyle I really got wind of was the '95 freestyle with Jay Z. Man. And um, that's definitely one of the greatest quote unquote radio freestyles of all time. 
It is. And so yeah. we should talk a little bit about what it actually means to be a freestyle, but that's okay. Because right. um, I, I don't think that he... Definitely not. I don't think he just came up with that shit Definitely off the top not. of his head. Yeah. Maybe he never wrote anything down, but like those mm-hmm. were pre-prepared bars. Right. Best I could say. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. But um, mm-hmm. that was the first time I, I, I really, really listened to Big L. And then, of course, you know, I listened to Big Picture. And I want to say that I did listen to this album, mm-hmm. um, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. But mm-hmm. I will say that the only song I remember is Put It On. So there's actually a very good chance that I did not actually listen to this album. Or if I did... It just got put in the background and I just completely forgot it. But the only track I really remember was put it on. Oh, and yeah. the one with um the MVP. one with his crew, so graveyard. No, not MVP. I, I don't remember surprised. MVP. So I think I it's like, um, I feel like you as a big and, and sorry to interrupt, but I feel like you as a biggie fan, you know, um, there's been a lot or a good amount of com- conversation and controversy around the sample from MVP and it sure. being one that was used by Big and people saying that that they got it first and you know and that that um then pete rock did that beat but then you know uh puff heard it and, and had the hitman do it over again like i feel like there's been a lot of controversy around the song because of that sample so i was going to say this point to later but let's go mm-hmm. ahead and talk about it now and yeah. listening to this album i feel like there was probably a list of samples that were just like already cleared like mm. easily to get cleared <laughs> i mean there's there's another nautilus sample on here yeah there is a um and that song's been sampled what a hundred times yeah yeah uh there is the um i think it's like not hot pants but blues and pants the one where uh biggie's um the sample for biggie's dreams yep right dreams of fucking an r&b bitch yep. that's on here as well yeah. um the uh the, the the one more chance remix even the um even the Brat Functified, mm-hmm. that remix, which Biggie also uses for, for, for a for re- remix to one of his tracks, mm-hmm. that's on here as well. I just feel like yeah. I recognize a lot of these samples, and I just wonder if there's just like, oh, hey, this is a catalog samples. Man. We need some filler melody to put it in here, and boom, let's just slap it on. I'm not going to put extras on this because I also wanted to save this for the, the body of the discussion, <laughs> but I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think we're on the same page. I feel like the, the production here was kind of lazy and almost like it kind was of. like... It was, it was almost just like they 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 just took some shit that they thought would work because they heard it worked somewhere else or right. it was just generally there and they just did it like, and so I agree with you like these 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 joints are a lot of these are not novel concepts and I agree like flipping that part of Nautilus and in a way that's like not even I mean Ghostface would go on to do it you know later and and it'd yeah. be way better like I just way better you know I, I don't know anyway so look talk about MVP that. comes out January 1st 1995 that's when that song is released as a single um this album comes out I want to say in yeah we, we already said it um March 28th yep. I want to say one more chance is released in May of that year Okay. May of nineteen ninety five. So that song is released afterwards. So yeah. fine. MVP comes out first, but you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> one more chance remix, I mean. Shit. Yeah, it's so interesting, <laughs> right? Because again, and, and and this is where I think Puff gets a lot of slack from us rap nerds, but sometimes we're just wrong, right? Like so yeah, so agree. you know, here it's like it people are like, Oh yeah, well digging in the crates did MVP first and then Pete Rock also at the same time did it, but then you know Puff did it over again. I don't care. However he got that shit, it's better than all of the shit you're telling me about. So, I mean, it just is what it is. MVP is not a better song. It doesn't even compare to big songs. So, I mean, I'm glad you did it first, but if you do it first and somebody does it better, they still did it better. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of wrapping up my Where Were You, I guess it would be around 2001, 2002. 
other than the freestyles, yeah. I never really got back into Big L. I mean, because obviously okay. he passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, Tragic. I did listen to the big picture. I, I definitely listened to the big picture mm -hmm. more than this one. Yeah. And like I said, there it might be possible that I only listen to put it on. But that being said, mm -hmm. I'm listening to this album now. Yeah. And I'm not really sure if I if I missed all that much in the sense mm -hmm. that, and that's no disrespect, mm -hmm. but as great as he is lyrically, musically, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, this album doesn't really offer me all that much. But we're going to get into that. Yeah. So the critical reception, we've already yeah. teased at that a little bit. Yeah. And look, I'll just go ahead and say that I think is very polarizing. I think that mm. it's very split. Look, if you look at the Wikipedia, right. it says that, you know, this album received critical acclaim. But mm -hmm. I, I think that's only from the hip hop specific sources, yeah. especially if you're talking about New York critics. Yep. I think if you're just talking about general music critics, yeah. this album is poor. Rolling Stone gives oh, us wow. a, a two out of five. All Music gives us a five. Wow. Rap Reviews gives us a nine. Uh, excuse me. All Music gives us a three out of five. Rap Reviews gives us a nine out of ten. The Source gives us a four out of five. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very split. If wow. you're if you're into like dope lyrics and you're a New Yorker, you're going to love this shit. But if you're mm. actually into music and into product, mm. you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, man, that's fair. And again, I, I feel like. I feel like this is like a situation where your man's is in a fight and he's losing, but it's a fair fight, so you have to let it go. Like I, I love Big <laughs> I like L. That. He's my yeah. he's he's my my favorite MC. But at the same time, like you know, I also when I went back to to listen to this because again, this is a time frame where people say, "Oh, if you like that, you should check out this." And so yeah, you know, I was listening to a lot of Big L freestyles, and people were like, "Oh, you got to hear his 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 debut album." Like, yo, Lifestyles of Poor and Dangerous. And right. when I heard it. I was underwhelmed. Um, and I think yes. just musically, it's musically underwhelming. And I think, though, you know, he is such a stellar MC, a stellar yeah. lyricist. He, you know, he can carry he can carry the the lackluster production and concepts mm -hmm. to some degree. Yeah. But at the same time, and this is a criticism of myself as an artist, as well as, you know, just many people that are in this type of of world. But I can hear that Big L is a battle rapper. And yeah. I can hit, hear that Big L is a punchline lyricist. And so, you know, it's very difficult to take and translate that just, just at the face of what it is and make yeah. great music out of it. Like, you, you have to actually make an effort to get out of that. And I don't feel like this really does that. I feel like I hear a bunch of really dope lines that the first time I hear them, I'm like, oh, shit, he said that. But, but there's no replay value to it. I think and, that's fair. And maybe that's what like some of these critics are trying to say. It's interesting though, because all the critical reviews I saw said that this was amazing, which is why I was underwhelmed when I finally heard it. So what are some of those, if you can, if you can't remember, that's fine. But mm -hmm. do you remember where some of these reviews were? Because I'm just looking at the Wikipedia here. Y yeah, the source double XL okay. was double XL out at the time, or maybe it was like a, a later one. But um it was like the whatever the 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 magazines that I was was looking to, definitely the source. Um, gave it, you know, here we see a four, four out of five. And then Rap Reviews gives it a nine out of ten. So, like, I, those were the types of things that I was seeing. Was, like, people were giving it these high marks. Okay. Well, they're wrong, is all I can say. I can, I can, I can understand it because he is, he is such a dope lyrical talent. And he's yes. got bars on here, no doubt. Yes. <laughs> but, sure. um, yeah, it's just, it's just a very underwhelming album for such a talented lyricist right so let's get into the highlights and lowlights what do you mm -hmm. let's start off with the highlights why don't we do that um sure. why don't we start off with yours 
And I guess sure. we can we can ignore the the track for track highlights and just get into the general highlights first. Yeah. So I mean the easiest highlight is is just punchlines, right? Like okay. I mean there's individual like one-liners like and and this is just Big L throughout his career, right? Like there are individual one-liners that you could pick off of and of anything that he does and it's like some of the best one-liners you're ever going to hear. That's just what mm -hmm. he's amazing at. Um I give I gave 8 is enough um uh, a a highlight um just because I feel like that's like the the real posse cut on here. Um, and I thought that some of the cats really came with it. Uh, I, I actually really love McGruff. And I don't know if I'm the only person who feels this way, but like, I feel like I've always liked McGruff. Whenever I hear McGruff on something, I'm like, I tune in. I listen to a solo album. Like, I like McGruff. Um, We've got an early, early cam. Early killer cam is on here. Early cam, was, which was Not cool. trolling. Um, I don't know who Mike Boogie is, but I wish I heard more of him. And um, okay. I remember us in high school hearing this, this song and us quoting Mike Boogie's verse back and forth to it, each other as rappers. Um, he said something about like, um, cause you know when I be, when I, something, cause you know when I be rocking home, that I be rocking home, I be home, sending niggas hopping home. Whatever that his little like cadence was, like we really, really. So if you're coming to see me, nigga, bring a gas and crutches. And niggas, I don't need a gun for you, none of you. Cause I can kill you dead with the letter from my number two. And it's death in every paragraph. And niggas learn when I burn a motherfucking ass to ass. No need to question them, my nice, cause it's a fact, friend. I shoot the dick like Santa Claus with a Mac 10. And niggas ain't half as nice, so they get sacrifices sent to the afterlife. They ain't no match for Mike. Now I'm about to skate in the rush. Just finished making the tough piece. The big hell ain't no eight is enough. Love so, true, so he's got, big has some decent features. I gotta say, peace I can admit that. Like, his, sometimes I think you have projects like this, and you can tell it's like, okay, these are clearly your friends. And so, no, that's not the case on this. His features are solid. And it's crazy because his features are solid and he still stands out on, yes. on the records that he has these solid features on. Um, yeah. So 8 is Enough, I, I gave a highlight to. All Black, um, I gave a highlight to. I really like this. And this record actually really reminds me of the time frame. Like, I feel like if this had been on the Juice soundtrack, I would have been like, this is perfect. Like, you know, All Black. Like, it just sounds like a movie, like a black people movie from the 90s. Um, the Danger Zone is a, is a highlight. Again, I get McGruff. And that's it. Those are my highlights. So for my general highlights, I have to say that um, Big L, obviously, as a lyrical talent, is a highlight. Right. His confidence is amazing <laughs> on here. I think that, you know, I think there were few MCs who were as talented and as confident as Big L. So yep. let's take Nas, for example, right? Yep. Nas was equally as talented, but he was not as confident. I think Nas mm -hmm. even said that when he first heard Big L, he was afraid. Yeah. I forgot where what interview he said it, but I know yeah. I, I picked it up. I, I heard, heard that too. Somewhere. Yep. Right. Um, you know, Ghostface, I love Ghostface, got all the confidence. And he is talented, but he's not as talented as Big L. Right. So that's a mismatch. Yeah. I mean, I, we're talking about we're talking about putting Big L up against Biggie. It's mm -hmm. essentially it in mm -hmm. terms of matching like lyrical skills and, and confidence. And to be honest, look, I'm always going to favor Big just because I think he also has, right. I think he has more natural charisma. Mm -hmm. He's got a better voice. I think he's got a better flow. Mm -hmm. But like, that's a fucking battle I still want to see because yeah. is, even though I think that generally speaking, Big is the favorite, I'm not sure if he'd actually win. Um, <laughs> that's how nice Big L is. Yeah. He's, the dude is crazy. For sure. So um, yeah. that's my, that is my highlight in terms of, overall. in terms of the, the overall. Um, yeah. I do like a specific run 
okay. from this album, and it's from All Black, which you mentioned, yeah. through Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. Okay. Um, I think that these, uh, I think there's a lot of filler here, yeah. but these would be like good filler tracks. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, they're not standout songs, but these are songs that's like, oh, if you have other really good songs, like these are like uh-huh. a great, great songs to put in there to make like the right. album actually be a classic. And it's funny um, that you say that because I think that's actually how they put the the album together, with the exception oh, of, of yeah. Well, I was reading like the wiki and stuff, and they were basically saying that Street Struck, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, and um, I think it's either I don't understand it or Fed Up with the Bullshit were songs that the, basically the label was like, you need to give us some like positive. Like you've said all this oh, yeah. uh, scary negative shit about the hood. You need to give us some like something positive as well to balance it. Street Struck in particular is <laughs> yeah. a very important song um yeah. if this album doesn't have a song like street struck it's just like man like mm-hmm. huh, this is tough um and fed up yeah. with the bullshit is another one where you know he's talking about um it's a very important material very important subject matter rather yeah and uh talking about you know how police just almost like they're just getting bullied by the police and it's just like yo i'm just i'm fed up you know I'm yeah just walking and, down you the know street. I, I do I do definitely want to double click on that and say that I think that those two records are very important in terms of their mm-hmm. topics, their subject matter. Yeah. I think they could have been better songs and I think they should have been better songs. And I think I would agree. You know, you you talked about this with, with Big, right? Um, I, I think that, you know, one of the thing that things that makes Big's two albums, you know, while he was here so amazing is that like while he told us all the like, you know, Yo, don't come to to bed side, nigga. You you gonna get popped, shit, or you know whatever. The, all the bullshit. He always had one or two records that like kind of humanized him and mm-hmm. made you understand that you know while bed Stuy is really is really tough and it's really gangster and all this other great stuff. Like there are like working class people that are here that are just trying to make a better life for themselves. Yep. And so like it humanizes him. And I think I think you know Big L kind of tries to give us that with Street Struck and with Fed Up with the bullshit, but it's like. I don't think either of these songs are that great and so it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't pull me to the artist to like to to empathize with the artist or or understand you know more about their world so let's talk about the lowlights then okay so go ahead sure so um my my overarching low light is just the overall sound and thematics of the album okay um so you know from the thematics perspective you know you can tell that they really kind of try to double down on the on this whole horrorcore idea, right? Yeah. Um. And and you know, I I I feel like in in many ways they tried to copy and paste what they thought worked for for Nas, mm-hmm. right? Um. Nas came out in what '94 on Columbia. Big L came out on, in '95 on Columbia. Um. You know, both lyrical talents. You know that everybody knew about. Um, now the the big verse that everybody talks about that made you know Nas a star is live at the bar. Women and women like a lifeguard Put on a bulletproof nigga, I strike hard Kidnap the president's wife without a plan And hanging niggas like the Ku Klux Klan I melt mics till the sound waves over Before stepping to me, I'd rather step to Jehovah Slamming MCs on cement Cause verbally, I'm iller than an AIDS patient 
I move swift and uplift your mind. Shoot the gift when I riff and rhyme. Rapping sniper, speaking real words. My thoughts react like Steven Spielberg's poetry attacks. Paragraphs punch hard. My brain is insane. I'm out to lunch guard. Right, right. And this isn't even all that great of a verse. I don't know if I agree, especially at that time frame. What was that, 92? Well, okay. Uh, I'm just com- in comparison to his other okay. verses. Yeah, it's but just like the um, yeah. he had the the specific line where he was like, "When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing hell Jesus." For snuffing Jesus, and like yeah. that line, I think kind of really just resonated around the world, right? Like That's that fair. was the All line right. that sent shockwaves through everybody, where they're like, "Yo, there's this kid that said he went to hell for snuffing Jesus," and I feel like. The label said, okay. "Okay, Big L, like you're 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 just like this. You're you're you come from this ilk of like dope MCs. We're just gonna have you say ill shit. Like when I was twelve, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. So he makes Devil's Son, and he makes yeah. like all these records that are about you know like this borderline like pseudo demonic shit, right? Like to try to be like all about this horrorcore thing. And I think that the theme is just really whack, and it doesn't align with." The shit that we like about Big L, because mm-hmm. all those freestyles that I love about Big L, I love when he says the slick shit like "Ask Beavis, I get nothing but head," or right. you know, all all like all the shit about him, like with chicks, like um, if my girl think I'm loyal, then that bitch is a fool. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I just I just feel like his slick like relationship lines and stuff like that are, is what we like about him. I don't think we like the you know like horrorcore oh my neighborhood so bad shit like you can have that in there and still be the witty fun charismatic guy that we like and so i all think all i got what does he say he says all i got for bitches is hard dick and bubble, bubble gum. Gum. all i got for chicks what's that what's the line all i got for chicks is hard dick and bubble uh, gum. we can never be a couple huh fuck love all i got for hoes is hard dick and bubble dick gum, and bubble gum. <laughs> Um, you yeah. ain't a leader. No one will ever follow you. You, you was, was never shit. shit. Your, Your mother, mother should have swallowed, swallowed you. you. Yo, so uh, far ahead of my time. My parents haven't met yet. Something. He's got so many, so many lines. So, but yeah. yeah so, I mean, overall sound and thematics of the album. Um, to to so that's the thematic side. To get to the sound side, we talked about this. I think you know the the sample choices are lazy. The the you know the the sequencing is lazy. Everything about this is lazy, and I feel yeah. like you know. This is going to sound bad, so I'm going to go ahead and couch it by saying I respect the hell out of everybody who had anything to do with this project. Yo, there's big names on this project. Growing up, DITC was among my favorite rap crews. I followed all of them. I read everything about them. If while you were in the Wu-Tang world, you know, double clicking on Capadonna and and understanding, I was in the the DITC world listening to OC albums and Lord Finesse albums and Showbiz and AG albums. So like... I I want everybody to know that I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to beat up on these people, but I feel like winners win, right? Yes. And so you know, at the end of the day, right? Clay Thompson is a great example. Clay Thompson is a is a is you know he's 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 an excellent caliber basketball player. People he 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 plays for the Golden State Warriors and has in a time frame where the Golden State Warriors were the greatest team in the world, right? People have asked. Yo, you know, what well what if what if he didn't have he didn't have Steph and he didn't have this person, he didn't have th- that person. Would he be great? We don't need to know. I don't fucking need to know. He's amazing. He's amazing where he's at and 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 he's winning cuz winners win, right? So, you know, I feel like Big L unfortunately was not on a winning team. And I, and and I I'm not trying to trying to down those cats, but you know, DITC is a is a fairly large crew. 
Um, and they failed to produce a superstar out of that camp, unless you include Fat Joe as as somebody in that camp. And I and I have a whole separate argument about him. So, you know, I, I think that in, in this scenario, they had a superstar talent in, in, in Big L. And, but they didn't know what to do with him. And this yeah. album sounds like you had a superstar talent, and that's for Columbia Records, and that's for Lord Finesse, who who executive produced this, and that's for all the cats around this. You had a superstar talent, and you gave us a lazy product, and it sounds like a lazy product. So that's my biggest low light. Um, it, Columbia Records, Lord Finesse as an executive producer, those are my biggest uh, low lights. What about so you? I don't have anything to add to the sound because I think that yeah i think you pretty much covered all the bases there the one thing i will also say is a low light to me is Mm -hmm. big l right and big l as a personality Mm -hmm. big l as an artist he's not likable he's not someone i could root for like Hmm. he's actually kind of whiny and annoying (laughs) you know what i mean like okay look the dude is lyrically but like he's got mm. songs on here um i don't understand it where yeah. he just comes off sounding like a fucking hater yeah that's you true. know what i mean that's like true. he's talking about all these other dudes that are that are nice and not getting put on and it's just like <laughs> or he it's or, like you said winners winning it's like you're not winning like now right. you're just bitching about it but right. like even okay like there's a lot of these gangster artists who just like they make songs they make music that makes it so that you can empathize with them and you can root for them right right he kind of comes off as someone who just talks a lot of shit mm. and it's because he doesn't have enough vulnerability on this album mm-hmm. so let's mm-hmm. let's take let's take mob deeps the infamous for example right right they're not the lyrical talents that big l is right but they have songs where like they expose some of their weaknesses they expose yeah. some of their paranoia like it actually seems true to life mm. whereas like big l I'm, I'm curious was he actually a gangster was he actually in the streets like that doing his, the shit that he's talking about his older brothers were for sure but but was he i don't i don't know because that's the thing i don't like i must not have listened to this album back in the day or if i did i didn't listen to it very thoroughly but like mm. my impression of big l was never that he was someone like a hustler in the streets Mm. And I listened to this album and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that he wasn't, but I'm just saying that like, there's not enough realness from it. It's, it's mm. almost like it's just bars, no substance. Yo, I always hate when you make this argument because, you know, we will sit here and wax poetic about Too Short and, and Pimp C. People we know did not actually pimp women, but their whole, their whole not, thematics are about point, pimping. Though. Like but I think I, I don't think that the person needs to do it. Do I think that they do they need to have balance to make to make it feel realer? Yes. yes, yes. I agree with that's that. That's my point. That's okay. my point. I don't care that he did this or not. Okay. What I'm saying is that there's not enough vulnerability. There's not enough yeah. like realness on this. It it just comes across like he's talking shit. And I don't care if he did these things or if he didn't do it. <laughs> you know, like that's right. not I'm not here to address that. I'm not here to criticize that. Right. But I'm just saying I'm like I need something to actually, yeah. actually relate to. And I think yeah. we get it a little bit on uh, Fed Up With The Bullshit. We mm. definitely get it on Street Struck. I'm like, yo, like that's, why isn't the album more like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. now you're actually talking about like, what seems like real life things. I agree. And I think that, you know, the rest of this album just, I'm just kind of like, you know, yeah. I don't really like you. And I agree. I think that, you know, to double down on that, I feel like that's that's what I was, I was attributing that to Lord Finesse, right? But. Whoever was around him needed to challenge him to ask him to actually create 
relatable music, right? Like right. instead they were like, oh, that's a hot 16, lay that. Oh, that's a hot 16, lay that. And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like a bunch of pasted together hot 16s, which that's cool if you're putting out a mixtape, but on your album, I need you to actually try to put together songs that pull the listener in and tell them something about you. When was Juvenile Hell released? Was that 1993 or 94? I think it was 95, right? Oh, no, no I'm sorry, no, no, no. 94, it, right? It's either 93 or 94. Let me look it up. Um, Either way, while you look this up, Mm -hmm. Juvenile, Mob Deep, their debut album is Juvenile Hell. Was it with Tommy Boy? It sounds like it's a Tommy Boy record. I'm not sure. It was with with. uh, 4th and B Way, I think. All right, so whoever it is, right? 93. 93. With 4th and B Way. Like spring 93? April 93. In the spring? Yeah, Yeah. okay. It's not a very good record, right? Right. So, what do Havoc and Prodigy do? They get in the studio, they stop bullshitting, <laughs> and they come back two years later to make one of the greatest hip-hop albums you will ever hear, right. ever. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this album from Big L comes out in 1995, yeah. and we don't hear anything else from him until 2000, which is posthumously, but like, what are you doing in that time frame? Yeah. Like, if, if, this, if this album comes out in 1995 and it's whack, and he comes about out two years later or even three years later with some dope shit this is all forgiven but we we don't really get a chance to forgive big l on this it's like i i I don't know apparently you know and i i I was gonna also mention this later but apparently you know when when jay-z kind of started to get get hot in the in the late 90s um you know he and dame reached out to to big l to try to sign him um, but what happened was, I guess he wanted them to sign him almost like a, as a, like a label or a group, um, so that he could bring, um, his boy C-Town and McGruff into the fold, um, in the Rockefeller deal. Um, and so they were going through negotiations. I think they might've had to get McGruff out of his deal with Uptown or whoever he was with at the time. Um, and then, you know, Big L passed before yeah. that ever happened. So rest in peace. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty much my my main low light, my my main overarching low light yeah. would just be just the personality of Big L and just I don't know, it's just it's it's hard for me to really it's just hard for me to root for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all, all, a lot of these other other artists that we talk about, even ones who I don't really like. Like Tupac is someone who's easy to root for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Snoop Dogg is problematic as he might be. Like he's easy to root for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wu-Tang, Biggie, like these are artists who are really, really easy to root for. Yeah. Big Hell is just, is just tough. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's funny because in my lowlights, I only had one actual song lowlight and it was, I don't understand it, just like you said. And it was just <laughs> because like, I don't care, bro. Like, yeah. I, I don't care that all these rappers are out here doing whatever they're doing. Like, what does that have right. to do with anything? I don't care. Yeah. So, all right. So should we get into the more specific highlights and lowlights or just try to make this a classic as best we can um like i don't even have a lot of highlights and lowlights so go ahead why don't you give us yours so okay so i will i've already given my highlight in terms of songs right and that's Mm -hmm. the track run from you know Mm -hmm. all black danger zone street struck the graveyard lifestyles of the poor and dangerous i do like eight is enough as a um as a posse cut mm-hmm. but you know this is something that needs like pete rock on it like every single time mm-hmm. i hear horns on this record it's just like why didn't you get the best horns guy yeah why isn't pete rock on here yeah you know um another one fed up with the bullshit again i like the content but this is the one that jermaine dupree uses for functified yeah. a way better song yeah. you know what i mean and there's like a whole list of samples on this record alone that are just kind of like <laughs> i can together. hear a better I- a better song with this same sample if i wanted to 
from yeah, somewhere else. I, I mean, you know, he even has some songs. I know that there was a track listing that this came out in 1994, and mm-hmm. there's four other songs that are not on it. So you've got yeah. Devil's Son, which I actually think sounds okay. I don't. So Devil's Son should have been on here, and that yeah. one, I had that listed as a low light as well. Um, yeah. And I feel like they were like, well, you know, Devil's Son couldn't be on here because like it was too, you know, controversial. But it's like Whatever. he says other shit on here that's yeah. like equally controversial in my opinion. Right. But anyway. So I, I think the Devil's Son should have been on there. I think I should have used a rubber should have been on there. Maybe it's <laughs> at least so? the, the concept wise. Yeah. I think that, that it's it's something of like some substance that I can relate to. Yeah, right yeah. now, does he need a different story? Maybe fine. Does he need a better beat? Fine. You know, but I'm just talk about like subject matter wise. Like, okay, you know what? But with Safe like, Sex I is good. With I should have used a rubber and No Ends, No Skins, and a lot of these records. Like, I didn't like know, No Ends, No Skins. I That's just either. getting cut. No, no, no diss to to him or any of them around him. But like, you know, I get this whole like you know invulnerable like kind of pimp situation. But like, yeah, you got to have like something that like that softens you in a yes. way that's more that's vulnerable point. when you talk about women like and yeah. i just i didn't get that here at all it's like bro like do you even like women like well, and, and it, i felt that way yeah that's fair general. go ahead i look i think that's fair and that's what i was talking about with mob deep that i didn't necessarily talk about it specifically as it pertains to women mm. but just being something that exposes some weaknesses yeah you know what i mean like they do that on the infamous like yeah it's some hard shit but they also talk about like their legitimate struggles. Yeah. And it makes it so it's like, oh, they seem like real people. Right. The girl doesn't do that. He just comes across as like he's talking shit. So Right. Same time, with the big picture. And we'll talk about that when yeah. we talk about that project. But anyway. Times is Hard is another one that I, I kind of liked. I thought I should have mm-hmm. been on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, you know, I'm just it's hard for me to really talk about specific tracks. I mean, like, yeah. So, I'll just I'll just start at the top, and okay. we don't need to go track for track, but like put it on, right? Yeah. This was supposed to be like their commercial hit. This is not a commercial song. It's not a hot song. No. I'm not saying it's bad, it's but not. like this was this was the single yeah. in 1995. Yeah. It's it's not hot. MVP is not a good song. Um, no wins, no skins is like how was the song released in 1995? <laughs> it sounds like it should have came out in 1992. <laughs> you know, like, all right. Yeah. So so here's my thing, right? Let's talk about albums that came out before this that could have potentially shaped the song of this album, right? Uh, The the sound of this album. Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, (laughs) KRS One, Return of the Boom Bap, that's 1993. Tri Call Quest, Midnight Midnight Marauders, that's 1993. Wu Tang, 36 Chambers, uh, Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, that's 1993, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, Wu Tang, fine, maybe that's in its own lane. But like, Return of the Boom Bap is a clean sounding album. That song is, that album was released two years prior to this and sounds like it's more up to date than Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Midnight Marauders, obviously, we could, you know, we wax poetic about that. We have an episode dedicated to that, right? right. Like, these are songs that, albums that probably could have shaped the cleanliness. You know what I mean? Like the polished sound of this album. And yeah. instead, they go for Black Moons Enter the Stage, released 1993. Like that's the best that they could, could muster. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, I think, you know, and I think I would more so attribute that to, to winners winning again, right? Like, and, and I love Lord Finesse. And I think that The Awakening is, is, you know, a very underrated album. But, you know, they failed to make a superstar in Lord Finesse, despite yeah. Lord Finesse's talent. You know, I think the biggest record out of out of this camp prior to Big L's album dropping is Stunts, Blunts and Hip Hop by Diamond D. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And Diamond D 
also failed to be a superstar, even though that album is is acclaimed in, in the circles of, of, of hip hop folks, right? So I just think that they needed to lean outside to 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 make him what he was. Like, you know, even yeah. I think you gave a great example with Mob Deep. Um, you know, they made Juvenile Hell. What's the difference between Juvenile Hell and and the infamous Q-Tip, motherfucker? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went outside and said, let's holler at somebody who knows how to make winners win. Right. And and exactly. and, it, and it worked. Exactly. And yeah. um and I think they needed that here. I mean, just for some some other context for our listeners, right? So this yeah. is 1995, right? So, yeah. you know, we've already talked about Big L's MVP. Two months later, two months, well, I guess four months after the release of that single, Biggie comes out with the One More Chance remix using the same sample <laughs> and makes a fucking radio banger, right? Right. In April of that same year, you know, Puff Daddy is on the remix to, or makes the remix to Met The Man's All I Need with Mary J. Blige on right. it. Like, that's a radio smash. Right. Like, these are polished songs that are like timeless classics. Right. And then you've got, you've got this. And it, it, it like, it, I think that's something that really saddens me as, as, yeah. you know, one of Big L's biggest fans is that, you know, because I was that kid in high school telling everybody, you gotta listen to Big L, he's the greatest, you gotta listen to Big L. Yeah. Right? And like for him to not have a One More Chance or a Juicy, yeah. like a record that like I can just an undeniably classic song. Um, you know, the people in the in the circles around me who were also Big L fans used to use Ebonics as the record to introduce people to Big L. It's not a, and it's, it's not just a not a it's not a great like it's not a classic vintage anybody no, can can understand not. and access this song song. We'll, we'll talk isn't. about Ebonics. Right. Because I like it. It's yeah. dope, but it's not it's not what it needs to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, you yeah. know, RZA, right? RZA made some really gritty music with uh, Old Dirty Bass's album, which also comes mm-hmm. out in 1995. Mm-hmm. But he also has a radio smash with Shimmy Shimmy Y'all. Yeah. Shit that still gets a lot of love today. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's just, there's just none of that. So, huh. look, my, my point to this is that to make this album a classic... Mm-hmm. You know, this is more difficult to make a classic than Lox's album. You know what I mean? Like, there is more to work with. I, I think I that the, the tracks that I listed, okay, All Black, Danger Zone, Street Struck, The Graveyard, yeah. Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, yeah. even Eight is Enough, uh-huh. um, Fed Up with the Bullshit, Devil's Son, and we'll skip over I Should Have Used a Rubber because it's not all that great of a song. I just I just like that it, it, I don't know, this, the subject matter is fine. Yeah. Um, times is hard, right? Mm-hmm. These are songs that could be sh- could be used as like like the skeleton, mm-hmm. like the foundation of the album. There's like a lot of good like substance here, yeah, for filler tracks. But you need mm-hmm. just you just need like three or four really really good standout songs that are just yeah. polished pieces of music yep. that make it so like that these tracks that I mentioned that are good would would be good segues into that. Mm. But I mean, I you kind of just need to, to just rip this whole thing up and just like, just redo it. Like he needs yeah. a better executive producer. Yeah. I'm not sure who I would have chosen at that time to, mm. to really do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. 